The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, Fred and Ginger. Okay, you know Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Look back in time. Google it if you don't know who they are. Let's talk about it. Partners. They're two of the most famous partners in show business. Today's topic is partners and social selling. What's the deal? Let me tell you more. Many companies use their partner channels to access markets and share resources for the purpose of ensuring the best possible customer experience. You already know that. But as many, many of these companies are starting to leverage social Social selling for their own sales teams, their own reps. Some of them are wondering, how can we fit partners into this new social selling model? A lot of questions arise. How do you invite, train, and encourage your partners to support your own social selling strategy? And maybe even more important, who in your company, your organization, owns responsibility for all of this addition of partners to your social selling? Newsflash. The new segment of social selling is evolving as we speak. That's why we do this series every single week to bring you the latest and greatest information. And a shout out to series sponsor, Kirsten Boyleau, who is a panelist today. So let me get started introducing our panel of experts. Please to welcome... Brian Kramer, President and CEO of a company called Pure Matter, P-U-R-E-M-A-T-T-E-R. And Brian sent me an interesting quote from Mark Waxman. If you're scratching your head, he's the CMO of CBIZ, CBiz. Here's the quote, 80% done is 100% incomplete. Wow, Brian, that's a man who really knows his math. How are you, Brian Kramer? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, that's one of my... uh favorite quotes. I actually worked for Mark Waxman for nine years. And so I heard that quote over and over again. Interesting way of doing the math. 80% done is 100 incomplete. It actually sounds like a reality check. It sounds a little harsh, but it sounds like somebody who understands what it takes to do business. Uh, Do you use this quote as a mantra in your business life for pure matter, Brian? And tell us how it relates to our topic of adding partners to your social selling strategy, please. Well, you know, we live in a, in a uh, time, and especially in, in Silicon Valley or in even just product or marketing development, where we're not short of ideas. Um, we have so many different things that we need to get done. And when we look at all the ideas, we've got to pick just a few and get them done. Um, and so I really believe that when you do that, then, um, you know, you really need to complete what you started. And so, yeah, I use that every day with my team um, at Pure Matter and, and with my clients, everything that we start, we really need to complete it and we need to head for, you know, the goal line, whatever it is that we establish. And so that it's, it really signifies a lot about what I stand for. Interesting, Brian. We just did a show with uh, another team on another series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. And one of the words of wisdom, we had three student, students who were working in the innovation area at SAP and their manager, Michelle Serrier at SAP. And one of the things they said was, it's great to have an innovative idea. It's wonderful to put your heads together, have a passionate team, have a leader with vision. But it's fun until it gets to the point where if you don't execute it, it's just an idea. It's not an innovation. So I guess that's what you're really saying is it's fine to have ideas, but you got to put the pedal to the metal, right? That's exactly right. 
Okay. Thank you, Brian. So happy to have you with us. And I know we're going to hear a lot more from you. Our second panelist today is Russ Fraden, F-R-A-D-I-N. He's the CEO and co-founder of Dynamic Signal. And Russ sent me a quote from Fred Wilson, who's the co-founder of Union Square Ventures in New York City. And here's the very interesting quote. A CEO's job is simple. Don't let the company ever run out of money. Russ Fraden, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic of bringing partners into your social selling strategy? Well, look, selling more is the best way to not run out of money, right? You you can't possibly cut enough costs from your business to not run out of money. The only way to do it is bring more business in. And so every CEO needs to spend all of their time thinking about fundraising. And the best way to raise money is actually not from investors. It's from having wonderful customers that pay you for your product. So would you agree with Brian Kramer's quote from Mark Waxman as well? Sure, it sounds reasonable. It's a fun thing to say. <laughs> it's great when people actually finish their work all of the way, right? You're, you're never going to build great partnerships over long periods of time if you're constantly getting things half done or mostly done. Russ, tell me something. If you are adding your partners in, should you count on them to augment or to sub- to substitute for social selling that might not be so great on your end? What do you see? Just a quick overview, your view of the role of partners in bringing them into social selling for your company. Well, so first of all, when, when you say substitute, I, 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 I think that would be insane for companies. I think it's mm. crazy to request to ever hope that a partner would do something that you won't do for yourself. So my perspective on everything around sales, whether it's using social, whether it's email, however you're doing it, my perspective is, number one, it's going to start with your own employees, then it's going to move to your partners, because I don't see how you can possibly ask a partner to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. My, my thought on that, Russ, very point well taken. Thank you. My thought on that was if a partner has already developed their own social selling strategy, they've already trained and put the right tools in the hands of their sales reps, and they know more than your team does. I'm wondering if you could kind of like a reverse mentoring where the partner could teach you how to do it well. We, I don't know. We didn't, we didn't really talk about that yet, but what do you think? Is that a possibility to consider? Sure. I, let, let's ignore social selling for a second. All great companies learn things from learn things from their partners all of the time. Whether you're a giant company, whether you're a small company, right? The best companies are thinking of their own innovation and learning from their partners. So, sure, of course, that would apply to social selling. It, it applies to everything in business. Thank you. Glad we got that out on the table. Thank you, Russ, and welcome. And now let me introduce Kirsten Boileau, Director of Digital Startup, leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. And Kirsten, who is a frequent guest on this, which is the series she sponsors, sent me another great quote from Seth Godin, one of my uh, blogging heroes, because he somehow manages, he and his team, to put out at least five blogs a week. I don't know how they do it, but here's the quote. Change is not a threat. It's an opportunity. Survival is not the goal. Transformative success is. Kirsten, how are you today? I am wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I have to do a shout out to you. You're fresh off the stage at a major LinkedIn conference. And what were you talking about there, Kirsten? I was talking about blueprints for success when it comes to education and enablement, particularly around social selling. Wonderful. So you're walking the walk and talking the talk. Terrific. So tell me, interesting quote from Seth Godin. Talk to me about how this relates to partners. It's, I found it interesting because whether you're talking about inside an organization or extending that to partners, um, change is something that people are, are often uncomfortable with. They, um, it, it, it causes them to push boundaries that they're maybe not necessarily ready to start pushing. And, and often we, we look at it as, you know, I just need to get through this and survive. But um, we really want them to succeed. We want our internal people to succeed, but we also really want our partners to succeed. And, and so getting them to make that, those changes and, and to take part in these new technologies and, uh, and really embrace it for their own, um, to make them successful and be transformative in their own businesses, that's where I was thinking it really connected. Kirsten, one more question. Thank you for that. 
Do you ever run into examples where a partner resists the invitation or the request, or shall we say the pull of a company say, hey, we're working together on everything else. We want you to come in and start social selling with us. Are you observing any uh, resistance? Yeah, in some in some organizations, some of our partner organizations, they're not ready to embrace the idea of social. Uh, it happens more at the executive levels than it does at the um, account executive or rep, uh, sales representative level. The sales reps are starting to get it more than the executives. They're, the executives see it as maybe something that requires too much of uh, time investment um, to to really see any. ROI for it, uh, but we need to convince them that it really is uh, a very much a um, a valuable tool and skill set for their for their reps to take on. Thank you, Kirsten. Guess what? I'm going to circle back to Mr. Brian Kramer. Brian, I'd like you to tell us in two sentences what Pure Matter does, and then I want you to tell us where you're calling from, and you know the question I'm going to ask, Brian. What's in your cup? What are you drinking right now while we're on the show, or what do you plan to drink in celebration, I hope, afterwards? Go ahead, Brian. Let's see. I'm in uh, San Jose, California, and, uh, and Pure Matter is a content marketing agency. Uh, we work with big companies like IBM and Cisco and SAP. Um, and um, what is in my cup is Nantucket Blend, um, and it is a, uh, a wonderful uh, little sweet coffee this morning. So I'm having a good time sipping on my coffee and being on this show with you. Thank you very much. I assume there's caffeine in there. Am I right? There's there's uh, not enough caffeine. Um, but, uh... <laughs> oh, I knew I'd get something fun out of you if I asked that question. Thank Brian, you sound full of energy to me, so whatever you're drinking, it's all good. Thank you. Russ Fraden, tell us a little bit briefly about what is Dynamic Signal, and then tell us what you're drinking. Dynamic Signal is a technology company based in Silicon Valley that sells tools to enterprises that they use to get their employees and their partners much more active on social media around things like social selling and brand amplification and things like that. Thank you. What's in your cup today? Water. I actually had a bet with my sales team that I lost, and so I have to go without drinking my favorite morning beverage, Diet Coke, for the next month. A month? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want to it's tell very us what hard. the nat- what was the nature of the bet? You want? Can you share that with us? Is that uh, publicly oh, available oh, it, information? It, it, well, it, it was, there, there, there was a goal for the quarter that I didn't think they would hit, and they did, which is fantastic for our business, but I had Whoa. to give up my drink for a month. So I'm very well, happy. It's fun. that's a fantastic reason to give up the drink. That's wonderful. Well, I hope you're enjoying the water. That's all they let me drink on radio show uh-huh. days. I think we know why. Kirsten, where are you right now? I know you were traveling this week. Where are you, and what are you drinking? Well, I flew in on the red eye this morning into Toronto. I'm back in Waterloo in my office in at the SAP office here, and I am drinking my favorite chai tea latte. Uh, I need a lot of caffeine because I, I wasn't able to sleep much more than three or four hours, not because I went to bed really late or anything in Vegas, but I just, because of the time difference, I woke up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock every morning, So, um, and I didn't sleep much on the plane. So I need the caffeine this morning. Well, you can have a double on us. That would be great. Thank you very much. We're speaking today with Brian Kramer at Pure Matter, Russ Fraden at Dynamic Signal, Kirsten Boyleau at SAP Social Selling for Global Marketing. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And our topic today, again, is Social Selling 101. That's what the show is all about. Partners and social selling. How do you bring them in? How do you enable them, equip them? And we still haven't gotten to the question. One of the questions of the day is, whose job is it anyway to bring the partners into the fold of this new thing called social selling? We're going to be back in just about a minute with our roundtable. And Brian Kramer and I will kick it off with what we think is a very provocative topic here. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. 
Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to social selling with Game Changers. And we're back, and our topic today is, of course, Social Selling 101. Today, we're diving into the world of partners, how to bring them in, enable them into your social selling strategy. My special guests are Brian Kramer at Pure Matter, Russ Fraden at Dynamic Signal, and Kirsten Boylow at SAP. Brian Kramer has graciously agreed to kick off the roundtable with me. We've got so much good information here. Let me get a starting point going here, and then Brian will Jump in, and then we'll have Russ and Kirsten comment. So Brian sent me some notes saying there are six ways you can immediately get started building your social workforce. I'm just going to tick off the six ways and have Brian pick a couple and reference them to how to add partners into the mix. So he talks about all networks on deck. He says, start online, go offline. That's a provocative one. He talks about creating a sandbox community. Here's another good one, reward with listening. We've talked about social listening on previous episodes. Very important. He also talks about use the experiences of others, which we touched on in the opening. And last, sixth number is respect boundaries. A lot of meat on the bones here. Brian Kramer, why don't you pick a couple and talk to us about how to get your partners into the mix. Yeah, um, so it, it, it's really interesting um, uh, because a lot of them that you just named off actually uh, tie into one um, one key core uh, concept, and that concept is really around helping. Um, when you help other people, when you tap into your network, when you help other people together using, um, and actually, believe it or not, I, I outline uh, so this is kind of ironic because Russ's company, Dynamic Signal, is actually used as an example of how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can tap into your partners and help them, uh, help them uh, help other people. So I believe it's actually more social helping than it is social uh, selling. And when you tap into your network to help other people by educating them using content, it can help other people to see and learn more about you. Um, and what I call peeling the onion. So, or actually it's been around for quite a while, but understanding how to peel the onion of a relationship so they can get to know you better and want to work with you. So Brian, if we talk about partners, are partners, are we assuming in this conversation with your talking points here that the partners are already part of the network that is doing the social selling or that they are part of relationship building and, and sentiment building and share a voice, all good points from your notes here, and that they're already part of the mix or that we have to bring them into the mix? What, where do you want to start this? Yeah, I would assume that, that partners are a part of it because uh, you really want to be in sync before you go out and um, start uh, social selling or social helping. Um, if, if you aren't in line, if your messaging, if your mm-hmm. um, ability to join together at the hip and understand how you're going to approach this, then, um, then you need to start over and, and go, go back to square one and actually get that relationship in order before you do any of this stuff. So I would assume that the partnership's already there to answer your question. Okay, thank you very much. And one question before I bring in Russ Fraden on this. I know Russ has a lot to say. Uh, Brian, whose job is it in, in, let's say, any company that wants to bring partners into social selling? Whose role is that? Is it the CMO? Is it the CDO, Chief Digital Officer? Is it the IT department? Is it, uh, I don't know, whose job is CEO? Where does it start where somebody says, aha, we can really benefit from bringing partners into our social selling strategy? Where do you see it starting? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's all that. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it, <laughs> it is all that. And, um, and, and where does it start? It really starts with, um, 
with kind of a combination of two people. One is sales and the other is your CMO. Um, now, it, it is something that the CEO, I believe, should get behind. Um, and, and you're going to have a much, much bigger success when you have a social CEO. And I believe that a lot of companies really need to actually work toward that. But um, that said, when, when you really want to start an initiative with your partners to social sell, then you need your sales team to be trained with the right material. And you, that means that your marketing team needs to help enable them. Um, it's, a, it's a total partnership. And it always has been that way, but it becomes even more crucial now because um, now we need to actually arm them with words, not just brochures. And so um, how you work together on that goes through a whole process of things. But at the end of the day, it is between social, or sorry, sales and marketing to come together and start that initiative. Thank you. Great point. Russ Fraden, jump in with us. What are your thoughts? What do you see? Oh, look, Brian, Brian literally wrote a book on this. So he, he, he absolutely is the expert around that. And I, I, uh, though it may not be that interesting, I actually agree with everything he just said. Uh, I know it's more fun to disagree, but I agree with everything he just said. Look, when you talk about social selling is not different from selling, right? It, it's relationship building, and relationship building in any organization is going to come from all of those external facing folks. It's going to be the communications group and the sales group and the marketing group and the pre-sales group and the product management group and the pre-sales engineering group, right? What we find the companies that do this well is they'll engage as many of the employees from as many departments as possible. So I, I agree with what Brian had to say for sure. Okay. And question for you. Uh, I rattled off a bunch of C-suite titles. Do you agree with Brian that it's, it's a lot of everybody, but mostly focused on marketing and sales? Uh, the only thing, I certainly agree it's marketing and sales. The only other thing I would add is we, we generally see the head of communications also playing a major role. Their social has caused very interesting questions for companies, right? It used to be that your communications people were really just around external relations and investor relations. But with social, where does kind of investor relations end and social marketing begin? That, that's a challenge for many, many companies out there. And so I would simply add the head of communications to Brian's already list, already uh, okay. sales and marketing list. So it sounds like it's of interest to almost everybody around the C-suite. Very interesting around the table. Kirsten Boileau, talk to me. What do you think? Uh, I wanted to jump off of what Russ was saying about building relationships and, and mm-hmm. social selling is no different than sales in general where you're, you're building relationships. And, and I think that the relationship piece not only goes from, you know, the, the vendor to the customer, but the relationship piece also is very key between the vendor and, uh, and the partner. Um, building those great relationships only builds business on both sides. And I, I think that's where social selling can be really, really um, effective. Because not only can you, you know, listen to what your customers are saying, but you can also listen to what your, t- your partners are talking about uh, and what kind of things are of issue to them and start uh, doing a bit of um, perhaps problem solving or uh, addressing issues that maybe they haven't shared with you yet, but you know that they're, they're thinking about due to what they're sharing on, on social. And I think building those relationships also helps to really uh, cement a better uh, and deeper relationship with your partners, which then make, makes for a win-win on both sides. Thank you, Kirsten. I want to do a little level setting here before I go back to uh, some of the notes from Russ Fraden. You say here, Kirsten, the idea of incorporating partners, and you define them as companies that sell, resell, or OEM your products, any company's own products, it's fairly new in the social selling world. Can you give us a little history or background, uh, Kirsten? When did the idea of bringing partners into the social selling world, when did it emerge? Is it, is it this year? Was it a couple of years ago? And is there somebody who's doing it really well? I did a bit of, tried to do a bit of research around partners in social selling and I wasn't able to find a whole lot. Not, not too many people are talking about it yet. Um, I know that here at SAP we are starting to talk about it with our partners and do some, uh, some enablement. We've been talking about it for probably a year with our partners. Um, and you know, it's been a little bit rough to get off the ground. But we're starting to to see a little bit more engagement in that area uh, over the last two or three months and, and going forward. 
Um, I haven't seen, like I, I tried to do, like I said, I tried to do a little bit of research and didn't see a whole lot happening, which is why I thought, I felt that this is kind of a great discussion point. Um, and when I was talking to people at LinkedIn, uh, Sales Connect this past week, you know, talking about, I mentioned, you know, doing uh, things with partners, doing social selling with partners, I kind of got this blank look like you'd include your partners in it. <laughs> and I thought, really? it's really something, it's brand new to me anyway. I um, maybe Russ and, uh, and Brian have a different opinion, but I haven't really seen a whole lot around it. Let's find out. Good point. Russ, Brian, have you seen this going on in, in your worlds? Uh, Brian? So, so this is Russ, and we, we certainly see some companies doing it, but, but, but I agree it tends to be far less frequent than working with one's own employees. And, and I think it just has to do with organizational barriers as we look across our customers, I don't want to talk too much about my company, but as we look across our customers where everyone is doing this, it tends to be that the people that manage the partner relationships are frankly just different people. And those people have kind of different sets of concerns and goals. And so I'd say we have these conversations all the time, but I agree 100%. It is far less frequent than people engaging their own employees. Interesting. So it is new. Brian Kramer, what are you seeing, Mr. Author? What are you seeing? You know, one of the one of the things that I think is happening is is still the same problem. Um, we in in the, we we've been seeing this for years. Uh, companies are still siloed, and 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 all we're and what we're saying is that partners are 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 part of those those silos. And um, and as we start to take a look at how we're going to de-silo our uh, organizations and integrate these these kinds of things, especially around social selling, it's going to help us better when we can actually work together. And to do that needs to be an exercise. You actually physically need to get everybody into the same room and talk through how you're going to share. And once you get, you get into the same room and you talk about how you're going to share, it's going to help you much better when you go online and you start to share those things together. It, you'll look like a unifi- unified front, and you'll actually build things that look like you actually have some kind of energy together that's really positive and really encouraging, and people are going to gravitate towards that. So it, it's, it's kind of that simple. It's, it's, it's de-siloing the organization, including partners, where we're counting them as silos and then bringing them together physically into a room and deciding how are we going to get together and how are we going to do this. What a concept, bringing people physically together face-to-face to have a real voice conversation where they can see their expressions, their, uh, their microbursts of emotion, their sentiments, and actually have a, a face-to-face, a sit-down. Very, very interesting. Uh, I, I want to go to some points from Russ Fraden, something interesting here. We need to talk about the fact that social really does include your own employees, as well as your own sales team and your comms people, as well as your marketing people. And it also includes your customers. So it's not like we're just saying, okay, you have five people in your company who are doing social and we'll bring in the partners and that'll make it eight people. To do social right, Russ, why don't you talk to us about this? To do social right, you really need to have that broad landscape, everybody on board to do it the right way for your company and hoping that your customers are going to be positive about it. So how do you see this broad, very much broader landscape than even what we're discussing today, Russ? Well, listen, as, as uh, this is a kind of a point I'll, I'll keep hitting that, that we talked about earlier, social isn't particularly different from what people did before social existed. It's just Mm -hmm. more digital, has more scale, easier to track, things like that. Every organization has a ton of surface area. Yes, I love my iPhone, and there are great things about Tim Cook and great things about uh, you know, other people at Apple that are famous, but also my experience with Apple is when I walk into the Apple store and the random nameless people, uh, men and women, when you walk into the store are the surface area of Apple's organization. It's the same thing in social. It's not as if you would ever say, we only allow the CEO to talk about our company, whether you're SAP or GE or, uh, you know, Procter and Gamble, right? There are Thousands and thousands of people that are talking about your brand every day. They're your partners. They're your employees. You want to keep them up to speed. You want to keep them educated. You want to keep them motivated. Social is exactly the same. It's just kind of exposing the fact that your organization has a lot of surface area. Kirsten, what do you think about surface area? Talk to me. This is your your, your wheelhouse. (laughs) Hmm. 
That's really interesting. Uh, the, 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 there are so many people that can be involved in social selling, and um, the problem is making sure that everybody has at least a level set of um, of education or understanding of, of what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it, because you can really ruin a business's reputation by doing it wrong um, or uh, or making um, some pretty junior mistakes or, or not having a great brand, like a, uh, a personal digital profile to fall back on. Uh, all of those things really come into play. And I actually had a, an incident this week where someone, they, wanna, they want their team to tweet out a, a bunch of things about a particular area. And, and I kind of had to pull them back in and say, look, we need to start from the beginning first. You can't just go out and tweet. Um, that, that's all wonderful and great, but you need to really kind of start with the basics and let's, let's make sure that you've got those down before we can, can move forward and, and trying to do that, in a, especially in a large organization like SAP, where we have over 70,000 uh, employees, keeping track of all that is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And when you bring partners into the fold, there, there are a lot of unknowns in that equation, aren't there, Kirsten? You bring in partners, yeah. you're not exactly sure, okay, we're going to assign Bob and Mary to the Twitter account here, and we're going to give them to you, Kirsten, <laughs> and you can train them for two hours the first week, and they'll have time for four tweets over the next three weeks. What do you want them to say? How do you keep it authentic, Kirsten? How do you make sure that they're adding value and not just parroting canned information that people either heard already or don't care about. How do you do that, the, the flavor? I really think that it comes down to education and enablement. It's, I mean, it's kind of what I talk about on an almost daily basis around here uh, and externally as well. Um, and I, I think it, if you give people the foundation from which they need, the, understanding the concepts behind social selling, not related to a tool or a platform in any way, and giving them the, the, the background on why they're doing things the way they're doing things and why we need to um, make sure that things happen in a particular fashion, it really helps to, to make sure that they have that foundation to fall back on so that when they do go out and uh, start uh, engaging in that social conversation, they are ready to, um, to engage in a very authentic and value-adding way. Thank you. Brian Kramer, I'm looking at your six ways to get started building your social workforce, and I just found a gem in here. Of course, they're all gems, Brian, but something that is exactly on point where I want to take this. You say create a sandbox community. I don't know how many people know this, Brian. Private social groups like a secret Facebook or Google group can be a great training ground because they aren't public. And at your company, you have something called the Nerd Alert. We'd love to hear what that is. Brian Kramer, talk to me. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's funny. Uh, I, I, it's, it, it, you know, I, I wish that, um, uh, I had, uh, actually been involved in the naming of that because, uh, it's, it's brilliant, but the, the, the team actually put that together because, uh, everyone at Pure Matter feels like we're all kind of geeks and, uh, and we're all proud of it. And so they put together this private network on Facebook and it's just for people at Pure Matter that, you know, can go in and actually, share stuff and um and and we literally use it as kind of our intranet and so um uh yeah and the the interesting thing is when a community gets started it's all um it's all a discussion right it's all building relationships so i agree completely with kirsten on uh enablement and education and how you um how you bring these things together you can do that through private groups you can do that through conversation um and there's so many different uh groups on all kinds of platforms, not just how we did it, that will enable that to happen. And through discussion, you start to get to know people, which then starts to build off of, um, you know, what I really believe in, which is uh, uh, actually based on also my first book, which was uh, There's No B2B or B2C, It's Human to Human. And where we're all heading is kind of, you know, back in in the day when we all actually uh, sold from one person to the next or built a relationship from one person to another. And um, and now we're starting to automate all these tools, and maybe maybe we should take a step back and say, well, how do we actually build a relationship online? Just as Russ said, it's still the same old challenge. How do we actually get back to where we're going and actually build relationships between two people and um, and help them understand how to do that same uh, uh, thing online so that they can actually um, start to build a rapport? 
So uh, I think I think private groups really helps to do that to answer that um, that question, and and um, and we love it. The, the nerd alert is just absolutely, you know, a, a fun, I think we all have fun with it, and in, in in doing so, we actually learn a lot too. Wonderful, and I think people, the way you describe it, Brian, they're really proud to be part of the nerd alert. Uh, my question for you is: Do do does anybody need to know how to create a secret Facebook group or Google group? Are there any tips? Where would they find that? Any uh, any quick strategies here from you on how to actually do it? Well, you can do it on on Facebook. You can do it on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, you can do it on on Google. Um, I'd recommend uh, one of the other two just because they're a little bit more solid. Um, and I think that um, it's really easy to do. You, you literally, on the left-hand side of Facebook, you can actually scroll down and see start a new group. And then you literally can choose whether it's a public or private group. And then, that, and then you start adding people into it, and, and you, you start your first conversation. It's that easy. Um, now, in, in LinkedIn, you're going to have to go just a little bit uh, in, 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 into uh, um, a drop-down in the top right-hand corner and and then you need to choose a, a, a private group um, within company and private group. And there's a, a couple other options there, but you're going to have to dig for it just a little bit more. Um, you can always click help, and it will take you straight to where you need to do it. Thank you. Quick question. In talk, terms of bringing partners on board, if you had one of these groups and you've got people, you say here, a uh, private place to post links to new innovations, technology, random funny things throughout the workday that only employees or group members can see and comment on, is it advisable to bring partners into that private group and maybe get their feet wet too fast because they might see something so casual they might say, wait a minute, I couldn't say that on social media. Is this what they're training me for? Any uh, fear factor there, Brian? None. None whatsoever. <laughs> I think that it's okay. important to do that. Um, but I do think that if you wanted to, uh, you, know, you have a couple different strategies you could build. You could build one for your own internal group, and you could build one that's together with your partners. Um, you can have a couple different conversations going. It just depends on how, how much community management you can do, um, how much time and resources do you have that you can provide to, to build each of these different channels and groups. And that's just kind of up to the company to decide how much you know, effort they can put into it. But I have, um, group, I have groups that I belong to. I belong to so many different groups, and I love the conversations that happen inside of there more than I do the actual public-facing posts. Because people feel more inclined to actually have a deeper discussion. It's, it's much more surface level when you have a discussion in, in what you would you know, think of as a public-facing uh, group. But when you get into these different groups and you have influencers and partners and people learning and feeling like they have the inside scoop to your product or service, they're going to take that information and they're going to go um, evangelize it for you. And it's just going to become something that you're going to be proud of. So um, I, I think it's actually a great idea to invite them in. Thank you. Great tip there. Russ Fraden, comments on the Nerd Alert and the private groups for getting people's feet wet in a safe environment. What do you think? Fantastic idea. And to kind of take it up a level, and one of the things I probably say a hundred times a day, similar to Kirsten talking about, kind of a similar kind of message is my main argument for all of this is advocacy really starts with engagement. And if you're not keeping people up to speed and keeping people educated, you have no chance that they will be wonderful advocates for you. Whether they work for you, they're your partners, they're your fans, they're your family, whatever it is, right? And so private groups are a fantastic way to keep people up to speed. Email is not even that bad a way to keep people up to speed. If you have the right culture and you do a good enough job with it, there are great mobile tools. So I, I don't, I don't recommend Facebook more than I recommend Slack more than I recommend LinkedIn. I think that's fine. I probably feel a, a little bit differently than Brian about inviting partners in. Uh, I guess it depends how close partners they are because what I found with a lot of internal groups is, especially in larger organizations, they can kind of devolve into not just funny things throughout the day, but also anybody driving to this, can someone give me a lift? And that's fine. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. I just worry about partner engagement with all the kind of internal minutia of a company. But at a high yes. level, I agree with Brian. And like I said, to me, it's it, no one will possibly be your advocate if they're not engaged with what you're doing and understanding what you're doing. 
Thank you. That's the point I was trying to make, and I'm glad you brought that up about TMI and maybe it'll seem like, well, they're just using it to not get work done. It's just trivial stuff. Kirsten, thoughts on this idea of a private group as a, as a basically seeding ground or a training ground for bringing partners into perhaps a lesson, a training, as I said, of what your social strategy is, what your social style is? What do you think? I think it's a great idea, although it may be worthwhile having, um, you know, a, a purely internal uh, channel and then or, or uh, group, and then having a partners plus internal group that um, it really addresses, you know, any concerns about privacy or security, uh, and and can but still gives them that taste of what it's like to to be part of that social conversation, um, make those mistakes internally without, you know, somewhat internally, uh, without um, having it, you know, go out in, in, and make themselves completely vulnerable to the entire world. Um, <clears throat> those, I, think it, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, there just may be some logistics around how it's actually put together uh, that may prevent it from being completely open to both internal and external. Thank you. Now, I'm looking at, let's see, we have, oh, about uh, 13 minutes left, and I want to make sure we save enough time for our crystal ball predictions round at the end. So, Kirsten, I'm looking at your notes. Let's continue this part of the conversation. What if you have a partner who is all gung-ho and eager to join you and embrace, to to a degree, your own social selling strategy and you look at their brand reputation and whatever they're doing on social eh, just doesn't really jive. They say they want to do it your way, but you're not that happy. They're not really doing it the way a Kirsten Boyleau would do it or a Russ Fraden would do it or a Brian Kramer would do it. Where is that, that edge, that rough edge where you say to a partner, we are so excited about your energy on social and you obviously have experience, but we don't even want to be associated with you on social because we don't buy into what you're doing. You're not authentic. You're not having conversations. You're sell, 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 sell. You're not embracing and, and fostering great relationships. And, you know, no thank you. How do you have that conversation? Kirsten, I'm going to go around the table. But Kirsten, first, what do you do? Uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, not something I've actually thought about before, but um, saying, you know, thinking about it now, uh, first of all, I think I would ask some questions because you can never engage in a conversation to learn unless you listen first. Um, I always say, you know, you've heard it before, Bonnie, I, I say we have two ears and one mouth, we need to listen twice as much as we speak. So I think I would ask them what their strategy is, why they're doing things their way they're doing, what are they trying to get out of it, and understand that from their point of view so that I can come back and say, okay, well, this is where SAP uh, feels very strongly about, and this is where we're different. How can we come together? Um, how can we, you know, really support you and and, and help you to to be the best uh, that you can be at, at social selling? I think that's where it needs to come from. You need to, to start to understand their viewpoint, why they're doing things the way. Maybe it's just the way that, um, you know, they had a somebody come in and, and tell them this is the way to, it, it's to be done, and so that's why they're doing it that way. Um, maybe it's not because that's just their overall opinion on how it's to be done. Thank you. Brian Kramer, what do you think? How do you say, gee, that's great you want to join us, but we don't like what you're doing and we got to start from scratch with you. How do you have that conversation? You know, it, um, so, so a lot of what we're talking about is, um, is, is fear of allowing people to come in and, 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 and we're scared of what they might say. Um, we, we don't know how they're going to respond. We don't know how they're going to act. We don't know what information they're going to take and how they're going to share it. Um, you know, there is a... Uh, onboarding um, it, with the right right person in place, with the right community management, I, I completely agree. We allow them to uh, listen and learn and, and, and build. And, and in the onboarding process, you train them, you teach them, you help them become better advocates. And they want to know what they want to share. I mean, everybody wants to know what they can share. And by feeding them information that allows them to share information that makes them feel good about what they're sharing and they know that they're going to be acknowledged for it or they're going to earn points for it or they're going to help, um, 
you know, a, a bigger uh, cause. If you give them all of this stuff and you teach them and train them how, how they can help, then, then they're going to feel good about that. And that's what every person in every organization wants to know. And most of us just don't activate them. We don't give them that information because we're waiting for them to uh, come up with the next idea or build uh, the next educational platform or the thing that they can actually bring to the table instead of actually giving them the information they can share. So I think part of it is helping them through the fear of what they can share, teaching them what they can and can't do so that they know the ground rules before they get in and reminding that of, uh, of them as they're going through the process and then finally giving them things that they can share, saying, this is okay, please go ahead and share this, make it your own if you like, but here's how you do that. Ah, okay. So that's, I think that's called adding structure to it and saying, uh, this is what we want you to say, but you can have a little bit of latitude in customizing it. Russ Fraden, lot on the table here. What are your thoughts? So uh, I, it, it's not that I disagree with anything that said. I would just add a different thought to it. Mm-hmm. And again, I, we're talking about within the realm of good taste. We're not talking about a partner who happens to be a racist on Twitter. We're just talking about a partner that has a different approach to engaging with social than, than you do. I have to say, I don't really worry that much about it for a very simple reason. Social, even though it is public, is a highly curated self-policing tool. If Mm -hmm. I do not like, this is not, you know, not there are horses for courses, as they say, right? If I don't like the way Brian Kramer acts on Twitter, I will simply unfollow Brian Kramer. I will simply not engage with Brian Kramer. So the fact that he might have an audience that really loves what he is doing even if that is different from what I would do if I were Brian, doesn't make it right and doesn't make it wrong. And so, like I said, within the bounds of good taste, I'm not saying that, you know, SAP would align itself with horrible racists or, or, or anything like that. But within the bounds of good taste, I don't worry that much about my partners, whether they are my employees or my external partners, the way they do social and worrying about them being associated with me because as I said, it's self-policing. If they are doing something that I believe is wrong, uh, then I assume they will have very little success with it. They will have no more Facebook friends, no more Twitter followers, no more LinkedIn posts. So I think there's this generally overblown fear of, oh, my God, what will you do if person X tweets 35 times a day something super commercial? They will very quickly be yelling into an empty closet. No one will be listening. Interesting. Kirsten, what now do you Now I'm going to go check and see if, she, oh. if Russ actually unfollowed me. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's really sure the point. And I'm, I'm going to bring in a very old-fashioned statement, guilt by association. If, if a partner is tweeting about you and they're doing a really bad, a really crappy job or really, really impolite, rude, or out of the realm of social politesse, politeness, um, guilt by association. Do you, Kirsten, would you get rid of that partner? Would you say, oh, gee, we didn't know this was coming down the pike. We don't want to even do business with you. Can that ruin a relationship? That's my basic question. Can it ruin a relationship? Uh, I, quite possibly it can. Um, I think as uh, a, a vendor with partners, you have a responsibility to, to, to um, make sure that your, your partner understands the best practices that need to be undertaken and, uh, and guide them in, in the right ways of, of, of engaging in social. And, and I agree with Russ that, you know, if they do it wrong or they do, you know, they're, they're doing all these kinds of, you know, very commercial, very hard sell type things, they're, they're not, they're going to be, you know, not talking to anybody very soon. Uh, so do you just let them fail and then come in or do you have a response uh, to my mind, you have a responsibility to, when you see that kind of thing, to take it to the back to them and say, look, like, I, I think we need to make some changes here. You, you're, you know, you're, you're not, um, engaging with your customers in uh, a really valuable and educational way. Um, and if, if they're not willing to change, though, then perhaps that's when it comes to, um, to you know, looking at the, the partnership itself. Um, I don't know that social selling hinges on, like a, a partnership hinges on social selling, though. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you can go that far. Um, but We wouldn't want it to a, be ruined. 
guess what? We have 30 seconds apiece for predictions, and I would love to start with Brian Kramer at Pure Matter. Brian, fast forward this conversation to, I don't know, I like 2020, maybe you do or don't. What do you see in the crystal ball? What would be different if we met again and had this conversation again at a future time? Would we even be talking about social selling? Brian Kramer, predictions, keep it tight, 30 seconds, go. (laughs) <laughs> Go. Um, I Go. think that uh, <laughs> I think social selling is not going to be a, co- a conversation that we have in 2020. I think we're going to be talking about um, uh, the same. Unfortunately, the same thing. How do we all get in the same room and have a conversation and um, and and get tighter on how we're going to approach? things from a human-to-human level. I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to get worse. I think we're going to try to automate more. Unfortunately, we're going to try and make uh, and scale things, and, and, and it's going to bring us back into, um, I mean, for, for God's sake, bell-bottoms are back in, in uh, everything in, in life is cyclical, and, and we're going to be back to human-to-human human, human relationships in 2020 because, um, because of the technology, because of the ways that we're going to try so hard to scale and I think it's going to reverse have a reverse effect of, of where we need to be again thank you and my favorite quote Brian Kramer is plus ça change plus ça la même chose the more things change the more they stay the same Russ Fraden I have exactly 30 seconds for you give me your predictions please go by 2020 well I have our first people tweeting from Mars <laughs> Let's just stop right there. Kirsten Boyleau, can you give me a one-sentence prediction just like Rusted? Brilliant. Go ahead, Kirsten. <laughs> uh, by 2020, partners and social will be de rigueur. It'll be just part of the overall uh, way we do business. Thank you. And, Russ, I have a newsflash for you. I just read last night that NASA's next target may be Venus. So there you go. Talk about Venus and Mars and social selling and tweeting. That could be on the landscape. 2020 might not be that that too soon for that. I want to thank Brian Kramer at Pure Matter. Thanks for your expertise and your wisdom and wit, Brian Kramer. Keep that nerd alert going. Russ Fraden, pleasure to meet you at Dynamic Signal. Thank you so much for your contributions to our very interesting conversation. And Kirsten Boyleau, thank you for sponsoring the series. Always wonderful to have you on board. And thank you to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Going to sign off right now for another episode of Social Selling with Game Changers presented by SAP. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, especially if you're traveling to Mars or Venus or anywhere outer space. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.